Hi, everyone. This is Greg Brooks with Rocket Station. You're listening to the Just Get Hired podcast. You're listening to the Just Get Hired podcast. Make sure that you like the podcast and share it with all your friends. I can't wait to hear what you think. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 64 of the Just Get Hired podcast, your gateway to a thriving career and a strategic resource for businesses navigating the ever-evolving world we call hiring. If you're a seasoned professional charting your career path, or maybe you're a business looking to understand the latest hiring trends, this podcast was made just for you. I'm your host, Jessica Fiesta-George. I have nearly two decades in the talent industry, and I help guide you through the dynamic landscape of careers. I also love to help people just like you get ahead in the workplace, and I also like to help hiring managers and businesses hire better and stronger than their competition. Today's episode, we're talking about attracting next generation talent through pay transparency. Well, don't forget, hit that subscribe button if you like conversations like this. Share the show with your network so you can stay updated on latest episodes. Head over to my website if you'd like to learn more, justgethired.com. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn, Jessica Fiesta George. Now, speaking of staying ahead, have you guys experienced the magic of the world's first productivity shot? I have been talking about this since the beginning of the new year. This is called Magic Mind. If you head over to magicmind.com backslash hired, that's a special link just for you for listening. You can discover how Magic Mind's matcha-based energy shot is infused with so many great ingredients, a lot of organic ingredients, also nootropics, adaptogens, and that can help you boost your productivity without the crash. Now, today's episode, we're talking about attracting next-gen talent with pay transparency, and I really can't do this alone. So I brought in an expert with me. His name is Kerry Sparrow. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Wagescape, and they are a company that's at the forefront of revolutionizing labor market intelligence. Kerry's going to talk to us about his non-traditional career path to founding Wagescape, and then we're going to talk about the critical role of pay transparency in recruiting. We're also going to uncover challenges if you're a job seeker and you want to navigate compensation data that you might find online and how to negotiate your salary, and we're going to talk about how organizations can also leverage pay transparency to enhance recruiting strategies and just stay ahead of the competition. Well, if you're ready for an insightful discussion that's going to equip you with a lot of great tips, a lot of advice, and if you want to elevate your hiring game, Buckle up. Join me on this conversation with Carrie Sparrow with Wagescape on the Just Get Hired podcast. All right, Just Get Hired podcast family. I am excited to bring in Carrie Sparrow. He is the founder and CEO of Wagescape. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Jess. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Glad that we are able to connect. We've connected a couple of different times, um, but I'm ready to get this conversation going if you are. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, to kick things off so we can get to know you a little bit better, do you mind sharing your insights about your background and what inspired you to take that leap to become a founder and CEO of Wagescape? Yep, absolutely. I founded Wagescape in 2015. Prior to that, I had a bit of a, you know, what people kind of call a non-traditional career. Um, I was 
trained, you know, way back in college as a computer engineer. And then I went into the Navy and was a nuclear submarine officer for a while, uh, about eight years. And then after that, I got into consulting, uh, worked my way up to become a, a managing partner at one of the bigger uh, consulting firms in the world, and then made the leap onto the corporate side where I was uh, an exec at uh, a pretty large global uh, manufacturing and and uh, financial services company based here in Minneapolis, which is where I live uh, for about eight years. And and at that in that job, I was responsible for upgrading our HR infrastructure worldwide in about 65 countries, uh, about 65 different businesses. And wow. that's where I got to see kind of firsthand what's really holding companies back uh, in terms of their ability to unleash the potential of their talent and get the talent uh, that is going to be you know, needed for them to thrive going forward and create an environment that allows people to thrive in their careers. And one of the common denominators was always the availability of good information about what's going on uh, with, uh, with talent in the world. And uh, that really kind of inspired me to see what could be done about that. And that formed the basis for, uh, for Wagescape. Wagescape provides real-time labor market intelligence using next generation technology uh, and uh, you know, provides intelligence that uh, is much higher definition, much more precise and better suited for today's challenges and tomorrow's challenges than what's traditionally been available. Uh, so that was eight years ago. And you know, relatively quickly, we started accumulating uh, pretty marquee clients uh, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, really gave us a boost. Um, and we've been continuing to grow. We've been growing. We're entirely self-funded and we've been growing 30 to 40 percent for the last probably five years. That's so. awesome. Well, congratulations on your success and can't wait to see where Wagescape goes in the next couple of years. Um, and I love that you've had uh, military service. So thank you for that. I am a military brat myself. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I've shared that with you. I live in Pensacola, so home of the Blue Angels. Yep. And they're actually uh, flying this weekend. So we might have some background noise because they're practicing over my house right now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, the birthplace and the, uh, you know, the, the center of the world for naval aviation. And uh, it's a wonderful Definitely. town to be in. Yeah, well, you've got um, an interesting mix between your military service um, in the Navy and now your current role in the HR and tech space. Um, is there a specific memory or lesson from your Navy days that had significant impact on how you approach leading Wagescape? Military gives you uh, a pretty significant responsibility early on, and uh, they, you know, you've got a pretty demanding operational tempo. When I was in submarines, uh, you know, we were, you know, our our job was to be at sea, and our job mm -hmm. was to be out, kind of, uh, you know, in places where interesting things and and concerning things were going on in the world, and so at a moment's notice, we could you know, get tasking to go anywhere. And as a young officer on a submarine, what that meant is a fair amount of responsibility to get things done. Uh, mm -hmm. So I learned really quickly how to uh, work across lots of different organizations, uh, work against demanding schedules, uh, work with all kinds of different people, um, learn technology very quickly, uh, learn operations very quickly, and do it in an environment where things, if you screw them up, uh, were very unforgiving. Uh, mm -hmm. and so, um, 
you know, all those things really serve me well uh, later on in lots of different settings, whether it's managing big pro projects or being able to relate to, you know, when I was in consulting, being able to come in and learn a situation very quickly for clients that I'd never worked for or industries I'd never been exposed to. Uh, and now here at Wagescape, the ability to relate to uh, lots of different organizations and lots of different people um, around the world. That's great. So we've titled this podcast episode, Attracting Next Gen Talent with Pay Transparency. And I see this all the time online. A lot of companies haven't embraced it yet. Um, and a lot of employers, or I'm sorry, potential candidates are really craving to see more of the pay ranges advertised whenever they see a job posting. But it's no secret that compensation data is all over the map, and I'm sure you've seen this before. Uh, job seekers like Indeed, Glassdoor, Salary.com, or just taking to the internet to find out what a specific you know, role is paying. So for job seekers that are navigating that information jungle is what I call it, how do you suggest that they find that gold amidst all of the noise? Are there specific steps that they can take or that you suggest to verify accuracy of data? Well, there's lots of different sources for, for information, as you said, many of which are, are not that good, um, some of which are too broad. So on mm -hmm. average, uh, job listings, when they have pay data, the ranges are you know 25 to 30% wide. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of room within those those ranges. Some are are even wider, um, and only about twenty percent of uh, of job listings actually have the uh, have the pay ranges uh, printed in them. There's a variety of sources you can go to um, to kind of equip yourself. Uh, you can look at the job listings themselves. You can look at uh, look. I would recommend looking across multiple multiple boards and then triangulating, so to speak, or combining mm -hmm. kind of what you're learning uh, to get a sense. Also, uh, pay attention to which skills are really driving the pay uh, because the pay ranges are heavily influenced by the kinds of skills and experience that you have. So if you're starting off with relatively low experience, you can count on uh, coming in at, at you know relatively low in the range. Whereas if you've got more experience or you've got you know higher demand skills, um, then it really pays to be equipped with understanding kind of what the value of, of those skills are. Uh, so being able to kind of fine tune in based on your most, most marketable points uh, to see mm -hmm. you know, what the market is paying for those, I think is a really important, important step, especially for folks that have one or two career experiences under their belt. Okay. That's, those are good tips. Well, if you are a job seeker and you find yourself in an interview and the salary that the employer is offering didn't quite match what you saw on the platforms, how should job seekers maybe navigate that type of situation or what would be your advice um, for them on addressing that gap that they found between the expectation and what reality is? Yeah. So there's a few, a few factors to consider there. Um, and uh, one is it always pays to show that you've done your homework. Um, and I always uh, welcome it when people want to um, work to negotiate their pay when I'm hiring somebody because it says they've done their homework. It says they have confidence in their own abilities. Um, they've looked at the market and they've done enough to understand what, what I'm looking for. Uh, and I think most employers are, are like that. This is a test for the employee, you know, the future employee, so the, the job seeker, as well as the employer. So how the employer reacts to these kinds of questions 
tells you a lot about what it's going to be like to work uh, in that organization. I think starting by just an observation that, you know, and the observation can be, um, here's what your published range was. Uh, help me understand why I'm lower in that range. Because uh, okay. I would have expected because of X, Y, and Z uh, to be, you know, higher in the range. You can also compare that range to um, uh, what else is in the market. This is a little bit tricky because if they published a range to start with, um, mm -hmm. then you should have known going in that that's what the range is. And if you're trying to negotiate outside of that range, then, you know, that, you know, there are employers that would have said, well, you, you know, that was something that we were very clear on up front. Um, but if there was no published range to start with, it pays to be able to say, here's what I've seen in, in the market. And so help me understand kind of why, why you've picked that, that range. It's never a problem to be able to say, here's, here, you know, here's what I understand and help me understand what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. There's another dimension to this, though, that served me really well in my career, which is do you want to be paid the maximum amount for what you're worth right now? Or do you want to be perhaps slightly underpaid for what you're worth? And different people have different preferences on this and different jobs okay. warrant, I think, a different approach on this. But I will tell you my personal experiences, I've always preferred to be just slightly underpaid because this is not the last pay conversation you're going to have with that organization. And it's always a better, better to be in a position where you are slightly underpaid than if you're being viewed as overpaid um, in terms of what, whatever comes next is my own experience. If you're getting offered something that is substantially below what you're worth, you shouldn't accept it unless there's other reasons why you need to do that. Good points. So I want to talk about pay transparency because it's quite the buzzword right now. And for good reason, mm -hmm. do you have any insights on how organizations can use pay transparency to elevate their recruiting game? Like what's the magic sauce to make that work effectively? Yeah. So um, this is something over the last probably year and a half has been gaining a lot of attention. Um, and I would say particularly over uh, the last three to four months has been getting even more attention. To put this in context, the number that I quoted about 20% of uh, job listings having pay ranges in them, that doesn't sound like very much and it's not. But compared to a year ago, a year ago, it was about 8%. So oh, wow. employers are starting to get the message and are starting to put ranges in. There's still relatively wide ranges. Um, employers need to understand that candidates are expecting to see this and many will immediately ignore uh, advertisements uh, for for jobs if they don't have the um, if they don't have the pay ranges in them also the organizations you know the the services that publish advertisements for jobs for you mm -hmm. as an employer a lot of times are uh, are expecting employers to provide that range and will help you know quote unquote help you uh, by populating a range if, if you don't we you know as a, a, a data service, um, specializing in real-time, you know, real-time pay intelligence, we get asked a lot uh, from uh, job boards uh, and job advertisement services to provide them with pay ranges for different jobs in different markets that they can use as suggestions to the employers that are using their platforms uh, to publish their job ads. So, you know, in, you know, job seekers are expecting this job boards are beginning to recognize that um, in order for them to be effective, they're going to need their uh, their hiring employers to uh, to provide this information. 
there's a lot of anecdotes out there about, you know, published ranges that are really wild, um, you know, from a few dollars up to, you know, a few million dollars. Those really are the exceptions, I have to say. But mm -hmm. the uh, and everybody loves to, to take on extreme examples when they are you know skeptical about something. But the reality right. is that this trend is moving in a you know in a in a forward direction. And from an employer standpoint, you really have to be able to back up what's in the range because when when job seekers look at a look at a range, they're going to assume that they're going to come in at the high end of that range. And most of the times, the employers are thinking that the you know that the new hires are going to come in at the low end of the range. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to clearly say this is why uh, why we assign pay and the things that we really value is going to be even more important going forward. There's a whole other dimension of wage transparency, uh, which has to do with equity related issues that, frankly, employers are not tackling yet. We're dealing with a, a variety of um, a variety of other uh, service providers that are developing ways that employers can understand uh, how do we ensure that we're being equitable in what we're offering based on a variety of different, you know, a different um, demographic factors, for example. And mm -hmm. so you're going to expect to see as an employer, you're going to expect to see more services that are available to you. And you're going to expect to see a lot more attention on your own practices uh, through the lens of, of, uh, of equity. Uh, a lot of companies depending on where they're located, are bound by transpa pay transparency laws. Um, so they have to abide by that. But of course, there's a lot of companies that are not in New York or California or some of these other states where that is a mandatory thing. We all know, and you mentioned a couple of the benefits of having the pay transparency um, and the pay ranges available to candidates and job postings. But are there any potential pitfalls or consequences that companies should be aware of um, when their like current employees see or discover that maybe they're being paid less than some of these newer hires that um, are coming in? Do you know how or any suggestions on how organizations can potentially manage that type of situation? Right. So what you're talking about is wage compression, where your, your own employees um, pay is not moving up as fast as the market. And that's a huge issue for the last couple of years, really since uh, we started coming out of the pandemic. Just to put this in perspective, you know, we track um, uh, data on about 85% of all the new jobs that are, that are created in the U.S. And um, the vast majority of those were able to get pay data on. Um, and advertise rates across all jobs in all geographies for the last two years has been going up 20% per year, 20% mm -hmm. per year across all jobs. That's advertised rates. Inflation, wage inflation is lower than that because in, incumbent employees pay is not going up that fast. But in order to compete in the market, that's what com companies are having to, to offer. So absolutely, your own employees are seeing this. They're, you know, they're seeing the ads. Um, you know, depending on what they're, what kind of jobs they have, they're walking by other employers and seeing what other employers are offering. They're getting, you know, called by recruiters. Every one of your employees is a target, uh, right. for someone else's recruiting efforts. So first of all, you've got to stay in touch with what's actually going on in the market, going on for the jobs that you care about and the markets that you're in, because 
the what's happening in any given market, what's happening in Milwaukee is totally different than what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee, which is what's happening in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, for the mm -hmm. same jobs, same industry, the pay pay changes can be completely different. So you've got to stay up on on what's happening there. And then you've got to, uh, most employers have had to take a really hard look at their own pay practices. Um, the reality is many just cannot afford to uh, bring their current employees up to speed, you know, up up to pace with what the the market is is demanding. So it's a struggle, um, which means that in addition to accelerating kind of your own your own wages, which is kind of a reality, you've also got to look at why are your employees working for you? Why do they choose to stay with you? Um, we work with lots of companies that have hourly workforces that for an extra 50 cents an hour will go down the street or go a mile away or go 10 miles away. Um, mm -hmm. It's that competitive. And in an economy where inflation has really taken a bite uh, out of the spending power, those are really valid concerns. You can't kind of denigrate, uh, you know, employees as, you know, as looking out for their families, um, you know, through the lens of how much money are they, they going to be making because their spending power has really gone down. So, so it's a challenge. There's not a silver bullet on this. Um, you know, pay is a part of it. Staying up on what your, who your competitors are and what they're offering is a part of it. But also mm -hmm. providing a compelling place to work and thrive is more essential now than ever before. Oh, most definitely. So I'm sure Wagescape also kind of uh, can help companies with that as well. Do you mind just sharing a little bit more about the product? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we collect information on what companies are hiring for and what companies are paying for those jobs on a massive scale. I mentioned we track in the U.S. about 85% of all new jobs that are being created. That number is actually creeping up. Worldwide, we track, company, we track data from about 57 countries uh, at similar scale. And we're able to then see uh, at, a, at a very high proportion of those what companies are expecting to pay for those jobs. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we have several types of products that are built on top of this data platform. Um, one is uh, a set of portal and reporting products that allow our clients to be able to see for any job in any location, um, any level of experience, any configuration of skills, what the current rate, uh, what the current rate is, what the trends on those rates are, what skills drive the pay, who the competitors are, because your competition for your talent is now very different than what you might have thought of it in the past, um, and and so it provides very immediate access to be able to see what's going on in the areas that that I care about. That's one thing that uh, that's one of the products we have. We've got a variety of other reporting products that are designed for if you're. Um, if you're a compensation team in a company or a recruiter mm -hmm. in a company, or you have a recruiting firm or a consulting firm, reporting products that allow you to communicate to your own clients and constituents, here's what's going on in the market so that they can stay informed and you can help keep your expectations in sync uh, right. instead of having a lot of conflict when you know you have to tell them, here's what the market will bear, and they were expecting something totally different. So we've got a variety of, of products there. Um, we update this data every day. So we're tracking data from millions of web pages every single day, consolidating it. We're the most comprehensive and most real-time source for um, hiring and pay intelligence that's, that's available. Um, the other things that we offer is if you've got a pretty savvy analytics team already, you've been investing mm -hmm. in uh, talent analytics, business intelligence, uh, compensation analytics, we actually have products that offer you direct access to our underlying data platform. So you get wow. 
the keys to the kingdom in terms of our entire uh, you know data environment and can bring that in and analyze it in ways that best suit your business. And we've got uh, that's that's where we probably make about two thirds of our our revenue comes from mm -hmm. from that kind of service. That's awesome. Well, you've got a great product. I've seen a demo, so I've seen it firsthand. Um, and I think it it will definitely put people uh, in a more competitive space if they're able to utilize the data that you have and be better um, internal consultants, or if they do consult uh, within or across other organizations, be able to deliver the competitive data that you're able to to get i i mean i i was blown away with the the demo so i do appreciate that but yeah. uh are there exciting trends that you foresee in the world of compensation and hr i mean you're in the space now do, you know how is wagescape gearing up to stay ahead of the curve and do you see other trends happening yeah there's a bunch there's there's a whole bunch i could talk about you know from a uh an economy standpoint i think that the whole issue around remote work is nowhere close to being sorted out. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's lots of, you know, there's lots of factions around um, what should be happening around remote work. Uh, but uh, the reality is there are some companies and some leaders that want to bring employees back into the office. Um, yeah. There are other, you know, now three years, you know, post-pandemic almost, um, where, you uh, Entire companies have formed with, uh, you know, built around remote work, and there's a huge swath of the population that's used to not having to go into the office and not having to deal yeah. with commutes and not having to update their wardrobes regularly and having flexibility <laughs> around childcare and you know all kinds of things, uh, where those expectations are not going to just reset to what was you know what was previous. And so I think that there's really a lot of volatility in the whole concept of how it's going to remote work. Mm -hmm. in a, going to play out. And I don't see it playing out into any kind of equilibrium for several years. From a comp standpoint, what that means is that's also not sorted out is how do you pay people based on where they are? Like my team, for sure. example, is an entirely virtual team. And we use market rates to figure out what, you know, what people should be paid. But a lot of companies are coming from an environment where the rates that they set are not very localized. And mm -hmm. So, you know, getting policies that accommodate the fact that different people can do the work in different parts of the world with different standards of living and different costs of living uh, is something that I think people are still um, working to kind of to get right. Um, there's been a lot of progress in that. You know, also in terms of like market intelligence, you know, the world that, mm -hmm. that we live in, there's some really exciting stuff. Um, one is what I would call embedded intelligence, which is rather than having to go out you know and use a new software product like our portal product um that you have to learn and it's really functional and has a lot of real capability and a lot of insight uh, but it still is kind of another tool uh, you're going to be seeing more and more uh embedded intelligence which is intelligence where you don't even have to think as a user to ask the question the answer will be available to you an example of this is what we're doing in the recruiting space where building APIs into recruiting platforms so that when mm. recruiters open up a requisition for a new job, it is automatically populated with the, you know, today's local pay rates for that job in the market uh, with the ability to kind of drill in then to see who are the competitors, who else is hiring for, for those jobs and, and then more intelligence as well. So that kind of embedded intelligence, I think you're going to be seeing on a much, you know, a much broader basis going forward. And we're at the forefront of that. Everybody brings up AI. 
right? So yeah. we're in the business of AI too. We use AI to help um, uh, help really draw out insights in terms of what companies are hiring for and what they're paying for. All that mm -hmm. is kind of behind the scenes, but where AI is really making the splash these days is on the front end. So folks like ChatGPT and Bing and other um, generative AI solutions, large language models, um, are really kind of blown away by the potential there. But those models are only as good as the data that they're built upon. And so, right. you know, when you're you're looking at kind of creative uh, applications, they're, they tend to be very strong. But when you're looking at things that are based on facts, especially facts that are um, changing uh, over mm -hmm. time, then those models have a real weakness if they're not attached to a curated set of high quality data. And that's where, you know, we're, we're you know, developing and, and playing in is, using the you know large language interface to be able to tap into uh, real-time marketing uh, that's reliable, that's credible, that is transparent. Uh, I think you're going to be seeing more of that. When ChatGPT started to gain hold, we put a big effort into that kind of interface, not just like a graphic user interface um, that you know could be in our browser products uh, or on our website, but also APIs that would allow mm -hmm. other applications to communicate with our data set in a very natural way, in whatever way they want and get the information they need. So there's all kinds of potential for innovation around this. But I think that companies that you know have mastery over curated data sets are gonna be in a really good position um, to be able to serve that kind, of, um, that kind of AI capability as long as they're on top of it, as long as they get in front of the, uh, in front of the wave. So we're running as fast as we can on it. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, um, any exciting projects, developments on the horizon or anything you want to share with our listeners? I founded uh, Wagescape because I just felt like there was a ton of potential for innovation when you have better information about a market that really touches every one of our lives. And I think you're going to be seeing all kinds of new products. There's going to be noise and tension as a result of that. But mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we've got a very bullish and very excited outlook on the future. Well, congratulations on all of your success. I can't wait to see where this company goes in the next couple of years, because this is definitely important information that both job seekers and employers yeah. need. And compensation is just always top of mind for everybody, uh, especially these days. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to share in the show notes, your website, any of the ways that we can find you and the company, but your insights, Carrie, have been incredibly valuable um, to our audience, especially for me. And I'm really excited to share this conversation. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of your show. 